Hi, and welcome to the Wealthy Wednesday podcast with me, Dave Drimmy. In this podcast, I give you ideas, insights, information, and inspiration to help you achieve your potential in business and in life. So let's get stuck into this week's show. Hello, folks. It's Dave Drimmy here with the Wealthy Wednesday podcast, and we have a fabulous show for you today. Personality tests. Now, I first came across these a long, long time ago, and there are multitudes of them out there, but I find them very, very helpful. And today we have, we've got a guest called Mike McCormack, who's with us today. He's been uh, on the podcast previously because he's such an amazing man. But what we're going to do together, we're going to dive in and have a little chat about um, personality tests. And uh, because Mike's been in in this arena for uh, over 20 years, he can give us an understanding, some of the benefits, some of the flaws, and more importantly, what he does with his clients. So Mike McCormack, how are you doing, sir? Good. It's good to see you again, Dave. Hey, fantastic to see you as well. Now, I know you're you're on the way to a, a big game today, is that correct? Somewhere in Texas? That is correct. Wow. Well, so so who's playing today then? Um, well, I went to uh, Texas A&M for, for college, and they have a big game. Their last conference basketball game is today. Fantastic. Well, listen, have an, I hope you win. I hope your team <laughs> wins today. But, um, talking about winning teams, Mike, we've been doing a, um, a podcast series on people-first culture inspired by a gentleman called uh, Michel Falcon, who's actually our guest next week. Um, he's a, an amazing man, young guy, 37-year-old, just fabulous. But So people-first culture, the guests we've had uh, on the show so far have just really shared a lot about um, you know, why culture is so important, why core values are so important. Um, Danielle Mulvey was on last week talking about five-star employees. But what I wanted to do with you, Mike, was to dive a little bit into a personality test because most people actually don't really know what they are and fewer still actually use them for their business. So I wonder if you could possibly unpack for us what personality tests are, some of the major ones um, that are maybe out there, their benefits and their flaws, and then taking it from there because you've been in this arena for 20 years, help us understand uh, a little bit uh, more about how to use them in business. But before we jump into that, Mike, sorry, I'm being rude. Can you give us a little bit of an understanding of your background just for a couple of minutes and and, and what led you into this um, specialized area? Sure, I'd love to. So I already gave away where I went to school uh, in Texas. Um, I actually have an engineering degree. I went back and got an MBA. So I have a really technical background. Um, and I worked, I worked for 20 years in corporate America. And the short story is I worked for five different companies and I had 10 different job titles. And out of those 10, there were about eight that I hoped I never got to go back and do again. <laughs> so in, uh, in 2002, I, I, I had an opportunity career-wise to, to do something different, and I decided to start my own business and focus on how to make better people decisions in terms of job fit, how to get people in jobs that they can be really good at sooner rather than later. So um, the last 22 years have, have, been a <laughs> have been a rush in terms of I, I really enjoy what I do. I know how impactful it can be from both sides of the, of the desk, if you will. 
and and I work primarily with businesses, but occasionally with individuals who are who are thinking about career change. But my my primary business is working with businesses and helping them understand how to gather and use information to improve job fit, which bottom line means improve productivity. Fantastic. Mike, you shared with me a, a story. It might be worthwhile tapping into this. It's not just about the uh, attracting and bringing in of the uh, of the employees, the five-star employees, but it's about also using the uh, the profiles that you specifically use to, to elevate the individuals into leadership. That's correct, isn't it? Yes. So, so depending on, you know, what level, it, it, it's kind of a uh, kind of opening Pandora's box there, Dave. There are a lot of different assessments that can be used in different areas and for different purposes. How, how you started off our conversation is very, very uh, consistent with how most people think about assessments in that when they hear the word assessment, most people think about some type of four quadrant personality style tool. And the reality is there's a lot more types and kinds of assessments than that. And, and it really helps if you just take a step back and think about, okay, what, what am I trying to do with this tool before trying to select the tool and then understand what all the choices are that are available to you? Great. Thank you, Mike. I, I appreciate that. So we're going to dive into that just now. So the, the, uh, you know, think about the purpose. And, and for most business leaders, owners, managers, our, our end goal is to get the best people possible who can knock it out of the park. And the ones that are knocking it out of the park are usually not the ones who want to leave. So we want to, we want to find people who can do things well and want to stay. That's, that's the end game for all of us who are in business. So there, there are, there are, like you alluded to earlier, there are literally thousands of different types of tools out there. And the vast majority of them fall into that bucket called personality style test. Um, just to just to expand on that a little bit before we maybe drill down into some details, but other types of assessments include cognitive assessments, skills and abilities. What can they actually do? Um, it might be manually, what can they do? It might be mentally, what can they do? There's lots of different types of those assessments. And also, what kind of work are they interested in? So getting back to your question, um, what we do is use information from all of those categories. And, and we assess, uh, we go in a, in a client company, we will go in and assess their top performers and then show the owner, manager, leader, whoever we're working with, we'll show them what traits, characteristics, skills, interest, et cetera, kind of the whole, the whole <laughs> enchilada, if you will, we'll show them what their top performers have in common and how it's different from their middle or bottom performers. So, so, that, so, basically, so basically, Mike, sorry to interject here. So, you know, it, let's just say in a typical business, you've got um, obviously got a sales department, you've got a operations department, an HR, uh, finance. So each of those different areas require a different personality, a different persona to make it run effectively. So you go in and you you diagnose, if you like, 
what the, the, the success elements are in each of the key performance in, in those areas. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And, and Dave, just to put it into a different, another perspective, most people, well, first of all, there, there are, I'll go back a, a step here. Some tools may be good, usable, suggested for certain parts of your business, but not others. For example, personality style tools that only measure personality and and they put you into one of four quadrants and there's thousands of different types of those, they are not recommended to use for selection, okay? Now, most people don't know that. Most people who are using them don't know that. Right. Uh, and, and there are a lot of people and companies who use them in the selection process. Okay. But if that's all you're using as an assessment, it's not very predictive. And let me, let me put it into a different framework for you. So those tools are set up. Most of them, I'll, I'll give you some tech ter- terminology here. Um, most of the personality style tools are ipsative, and that means you're asking a person to tell you about themselves and then you report it back to them. Okay. It's, it's kind of a, um, it's, it's a self self report kind of thing. Okay. As compared to, uh, normed and a normed assessment is we compare your answers to everybody else who answered this and we compare where you fall on the scale in terms of most people will fall somewhere down the middle and there's some people who fall on the left end and some people who fall on the right end. So that's two major different types of assessments, but let's go back to the four quadrant personality style tools. Um, If you think about it, big picture, first of all, you're asking them to tell you about themselves. You're not correlating that against anything else. And secondly, those assessments Roughly, you know, everybody falls into one of four boxes, okay? Yep. And roughly 25% of people who take them fall into each box, okay? So if you look at it on a global, <laughs> on, a, on an international global perspective, everybody's one of those four things, okay? Yep. So if you keep going down that path and you say, okay, I'm going to use that for, uh, for selection. So if everybody's one of those four things and you use that for selection, you're basically thinking or saying that one out of every four people in the world can do the job you're trying to hire them for. Okay, Which so, is, so just, just, my, statement. <laughs> my, just, just, just on that basis there. So um, a common phrase out there when I'm speaking to business owners is, oh, we can't find anybody, there's nobody in the industry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Another common phrase is, oh, we just need to put bums on seats. And nobody wants to be a bum on a seat. So what, what we've got is we've, we, we've almost got like um, at the entry point, we've got people who don't know anything about personality tests. Then we have personality tests, for example, for, for me, it's like maybe the DISC profile or Myers-Briggs. Um, yeah. What? What, what other ones are out there that are that? Well, uh, just Just DISC alone, there's multiple versions and vendors of the disc. Okay. So that's why there's hundreds or thousands of disc type tools um, or, or 
built off of that same framework. They may call it something else, but it's that same exact framework. So, so is um, the, the likes of StrengthsFinder, is that similar as well? The the Gallup StrengthsFinder and Enneagram and these kind of things? <laughs> well, that, that's getting really down into a, a lot more detail, but I'll just say that, um, well, I'll bring up two other terms, reliability and validity. So when you're, when you're using assessment instruments, number one, reliability means if you use it again, you get the same answers. Okay. So think of it as kind of consistency on test retest, or it, it really is measuring something accurately. Okay. Validity on the other hand is if I, if I have this measurement, does it correlate to what I'm trying to correlate it to. For example, performance of my employee. Okay, so in order for an assessment to be valid, it has to be at first reliable. Okay, it has to measure something accurately. And then whatever it's measuring has to pertain to, can this person do this particular job? Okay, so so it's activity-based. It, yeah, it's it's yeah. outcome based actually. Um, okay. Can you tie it to what you're using it for? Um, so um, most of the four quadrant type of tools, and and I won't mention any particular vendor names, but all of them probably will say that they're very reliable. You and I both sitting sitting on this call, if if we were going to apply for a sales position and we were asked to take a four quadrant style, personality style tool, test, assessment, we could make it look like what we wanted it to look like, that we were very outgoing, extroverted, good in front of people, et cetera. And, so, and you, so, made, so, so Mike, so what you're saying is you can manipulate it? Sometimes you can. And, and, and some of them, and, and just go one level deeper, and I know we don't want to get down in the weeds, but one, one other question you can ask yourself if you're thinking about using assessments is, does it measure distortion? Okay. Some yep. do, a lot don't. Okay. So it, it's something that's pretty hard to measure, but basically what you're trying to do is to get a, get a readout on is, can, can I trust and believe what this person just told me or how they answered these questions? Right. And, okay. and uh, so a, a lot of the, Four quadrant tools don't have that capability to measure distortion, um, but it's a good question to ask. Okay, and just and Mike, sorry to butt in again. There's so I, I've taken you know oodles of these different personality tests, and they kind yeah. of say bits and bobs of the same thing. Right. One one test I took was created by Kathy Colby, and that was the Colby uh, Colby A index, uh-huh. which I found fascinating because it absolutely nailed me in terms of my outcome. And the activities I did in my day-to-day job to be successful so I could work on my strengths. Have you um, looked into that at all in the past? Or is you know, it- I, I, have, I haven't looked at the Colby recently. My recollection is it's, it's what we would call a combination tool. I think it's, it's behavioral and cognitive. Is that correct? I think pretty, pretty much, but there's a, there's a bias towards the activity, if you like, in, in terms of in the work environment. And quite a lot yeah. of entrepreneurs yeah. have spoken about it in the past. So that's right. why I was curious. Yeah. yeah. 
So those those are and and like you said a, a few seconds ago, you said it really nailed me. Oftentimes, that's an indicator that's a, that that was an ipsative test, meaning it asks you about yourself and then it reports what you said to it right back to you. Okay, right. it's not comparing you against everybody else. It's just saying what's your opinion of yourself. And it reports it back and people get the reports back and go, oh, that nailed me. Well, it should, because it's just reporting back what they you just told it. Got it. Okay. Got it. okay. Um, which could be helpful and could be accurate. Uh, and, and, you know, in, in, in terms of that, I'll, I'll go off on a, another slight tangent here, but um, there can be some very good uses for personality style tools um, okay. in terms of how we communicate with others, how others see us, that those, those can be, you know, kind of some team building things you can do with, with personality style tools and they can be very effective for that. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's a huge industry built around that. Okay. Yeah. I, I know a lot of consultants in my realm who, who have huge businesses that focus on those kinds of tools and they use them for coaching and developing and teamwork and all of that stuff. And they, they can be very helpful. Okay. I'm not saying they're not, beneficial tools. Okay. But I, but what I am saying or trying to try to get across is that if you're going to use something for selection, that those are not recommended for selection because they're not very valid for that purpose. Okay. Okay? So Mike, thanks for that. And you, the, the process you use, I want to jump into that in a second, but uh, because it's really powerful and I've been through it myself, but where would you fit in, in the recruitment process? Where would you actually fit a personality test, whether it's yours or, or others? Is it Because you've, you've kind of got to filter people out earlier on to make sure that you're only speaking to the five-star employees, the ones that are going to be with you for the long term and, and, and help you as a business owner to... Yeah. Delegate, delegate tasks to so that the business can thrive. Where so in the process, if you've got obviously if you have an application, you've got a maybe there's a phone screening. You find out if somebody's got you know if there's some basic stuff. Where would a personality test actually come in your mind in the process of bringing on five star employees, for example? Okay, so so a couple of things. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to tie in something you asked earlier or, or mentioned earlier about the world we live in and either, you know, butts in seats philosophy or can't find the right person and, and talk about that continuum, but also talk about, you know, in terms of, I want to, I want to encourage you to shift the, the terminology and say, when you use personality tests, what we say is when you use assessments, because if you're saying using personality tests, you're, you're limiting the, the scope of what you're looking at. So think about assessments. And, and also, <laughs> we, don't, we don't call ours test because if you call it a test, it's something somebody can pass or fail. Okay, and good point. Whereas an assessment is a measurement of who a person really is. Okay. okay. So. Um, it, it's, it's kind of a fine line, but uh, there, there is a difference. So to answer your question, most of our clients will do some kind of initial or early screen in terms of, you know, they'll, they'll view the resume, they'll look at their, their experience, who they've worked for, for how long, you know, maybe who they know, what companies they've been in, all that stuff that, that is publicly available. They'll look at that. 
they may do a phone screen. They'll, they'll look for certain traits or skills if they know those are required for the particular job they're hiring them for, whether it's programming, whether it's sales in a certain industry, whether whatever whatever it is they, they know they have to have for background, knowledge, wisdom, uh, experience, et cetera. And they, they may do a phone call. They may do a video screen like you and I are on video right now. They may have one or two people um, in the role talk to them and, and try to get more detail and then have them complete a, a, an assessment. Okay. And that assessment then, and to tie in something, you know, we were talking about earlier, if they're asked to take an assessment in, in, in our client's case, we have already had their top performers complete that assessment and we know where their top performers score on a range of one to 10 or one to nine, depending on which tool we're using, because we have multiple tools we use for different environments. Um, so, you know, if, if we know all of your top performers on this particular scale, whether it's a behavioral scale or a cognitive scale or whatever it is, but we know that, you know, your top performers all score between six and nine. So you should be looking for people who score between six and nine. Now, you may be able to find that, you may not, but at least you know how they compare before you bring them in for final interview, okay, before you make the final decision. Because the other one of the other benefits of our tool sets, and, and I say with an S because there's multiple ones we can use, most of our clients use one, but they, they've chosen from a variety of options. Most of those tool sets also have, we can provide a interview or selection report that, that tells the manager, you know, here's the benchmark you, you, we've, we've defined that you should be looking for, and here's how that person compares to that benchmark, and here's questions you can ask around that to get more information. Wow, so the questions are there as well, so you can make sure it's provided to the manager, owner, whatever it is, yeah. to ensure that it elicits the correct answers. Yeah. So you're not just yeah. kind of going into a room and kind of guessing yeah. and hello, it, Mike, it's where still, are you yeah, from? It's, it's still, it, it, again, it goes back to it's not a pass fail. It's compared to what you're looking for. Here's how this person may be like that, may be a little bit different. And here's how you can drill down more to get a better feel for, do you think this can work out given what you know about your people, their experience, your history, et cetera, you know, that are already on your team and, and results you've seen before and how they're performing and then compared to this person's. Now, I want to go back and tie it into something you said earlier about the, you know, there's those out there and we've got... There's companies here, uh, there's companies everywhere who, you know, just butts in seats. We don't, you know, if they, it, if it doesn't work out, it's okay. Cause we were paying commission. And if they didn't sell anything, we didn't pay them anything. So no big deal. Well, that's a, that's an environment and a culture that you or I never want to be a part of and yeah. probably don't want to work with those kinds of companies. Yes. Okay. Cause that's not a win-win for anybody. On the other end is trying to find the exact profile of the person you're trying to find that looks exactly like your top performers. And that may be hard to find. Okay. But here's, here's the happy medium between those. That is, okay. I know, you know, I've posted this job. I've advertised it. I've gotten resumes. I've talked to four or five people. Here's the ones that here's the top two or three 
that I think might best fit this role and then have them complete the assessment. And then what you have is an objective comparison on paper of, of these three people who's likely to be the best fit compared to that my top performers who I know how they're performing and love to have people like them again. Okay, so you may not have that exact perfect fit, but you'll know how close you are and you'll know, you know, can this work? Well, maybe. Can this work? Well, everyone I've had before who scored in this area on this scale or scales never worked out. So I'm not going to go down that path again. Okay, Excellent. so you have much more information to make your decisions, regardless of where you are on that continuum of <laughs> what kind of people you're trying to hire. So what's so basically what's actually happening is you're not making an emotional decision just to fill a space at a desk or a cubicle or an yeah. office or whatever. You're using logic and you will therefore be able to use the data to uh, compare against the, the top performers in each of the different it, it areas. Is, it is much, much more objective. I won't say it's absolute. There's there's no tool or tools out there that are what I would call the silver bullet. You know, have them take this. If they score this, it's perfect. It's going to work no matter what. All, all bets are off. This is a, sure, a slam dunk, whatever. Yeah. There's no tool out there that can do that. Now, having said that, I'll give you an example. I just, I just redid some case studies for what we've done for some of our clients. In one case, it was a fairly large company. They had 59 people doing the same role. So we had a lot of data and, and we, they shared their performance metrics for those 59 people in four different KPIs. Okay. So our first, first part of the process was collecting all that data and then comparing their, their performance and coming up with top and middle and bottom performers based on their scores. And then we uh, all, all 59 people completed an assessment where we measured 20 different traits. Okay. And, and they include, they were across the board. So we call it a whole person assessment, not a personality style tool because we measure behaviors, which some people equate to personality, but we, we also measure cognitive and we also measure interest. So we have 20 different data points for each person. Long story short, we built, we built the benchmark using the results from the top performers. We built a spreadsheet showing, okay, if you drop everybody's raw scores into this template, it will predict whether or not they're going to be a top, middle, or bottom performers just to see how it would work. And in that particular case, and I promise you, this doesn't happen all the time, but it can happen. And, and I had used a data scientist to help me with the analysis, somebody who's you know, a lot more technical than I am. And I feel like I'm pretty technical, but this guy's rocket scientist kind of guy. Okay, very um, good. So after we had gone through all of the stuff, we, we created this little template and we said, okay, if you put a candidate scores into this, we, will, we can predict whether they'll be a top, middle, or bottom performer. And we tried that template against the scores of all 59 people that were already in that role. And <laughs> in every single case, we could predict which category they would fall in. Wow. predict if they were going to be top, middle, or bottom performer. Now, again, it doesn't work like that all the time, but 
the more data you collect across different areas or categories, I'll say, in terms of skills, abilities, behaviors, et cetera, the more you're willing to collect, the more you can predict. This is amazing. It's it's so much like marketing. You know, when you look at um, using, for example, Facebook or Google or YouTube for actual advertising, they know all the data to attract their ideal clients. So what you're really saying is when you use this assessment correctly, it's very, very similar that you can predict who those ideal people are. So you've got data for yeah. hiring clients and you or creating leads for, for, for clients, and you've got data for creating leads and hiring yeah. the best and, people. And, you know, logically, Dave, obviously, the, the more data we have, the more predictive it can be. So, I mean, we, we work with clients who have five or 10 in a certain role, you know, small sales team, for example, and and we work with clients who have 150 doing the same thing and they may be spread across 50 offices all over the country, but they're doing the same role. And we've analyzed their performance using similar, similar tools and been able to correlate, you know, a, a differentiation, show them how the numbers look different in terms of job match. They look different for your top performers, your middle performers, and your bottom performers using these tools and these processes. Wow. So, so Mike, in the tools you use, for example, when I'm, when I'm working with clients, I, I, look, I like to look for, for me personally, um, a, a business that has somewhere between 10 and 100 employees possibly 10 and 50, depending, because the business has grown to a point whereby there's now a bit of chaos and they just need it solved. So what I'm hearing right here right now is really powerful. For you, with the, um, the what did you call it? The whole person assessment. There we go. <laughs> I learned a new phrase. The whole person assessment. What is the ideal size of business for you and second to that, because I do a lot of work with trade companies, you've got a different assessment that can be used for more what I would call blue-collar workers as well. Blue-collar, manual labor, the entry-level positions. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. We have different tools for different types and levels of professions. Um, so it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of scenario. Depends on, you know, the, the company, their need, their role, et cetera. Um, but to your question, we work with companies of all sizes. Again, the more data, the better from our perspective. Uh, but in cases where, you know, companies might be thinking, well, I don't have near that many, so it won't work with me because I don't have enough data. I have, a, I have a huge database that I can go and find benchmarks or profiles that have been created for similar roles where we've had more data. Okay. So okay. let's, let's, let's take sales. Cause it's everybody understands sales kind of, sort of, um, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm in sales and I'm in technology, you know, somebody who's, who's in technology sales is probably a different profile than somebody who's selling lawn equipment. Okay. And, and we've done hundreds of, benchmarks, profiles for sales roles. And I promise you they're different. Okay. They even selling the same thing in different parts of the country, you may have different profiles or benchmarks because they may be selling a different priced product. They might be selling to a different demographic in terms of people's makeup. 
So different, different types of people may do different in similar roles in different parts of the country sometimes. But for small companies, we can look at what data they have. And, and, and we've had a lot of clients who say, hey, I don't have any top performers. That's my problem. That's what I'm trying to fix. Um, in those cases, we can look at our database and find the closest benchmark or profile we have to that role and start out by using that. And we can, you know, if they if they want to, if they're able to, we can have their current team take it and we can show them you know, how they compare to this benchmark and what would you like to see more of or less of in, in terms of these 10 or 20 traits, depending on which tool we're using. So literally, it seems to me like you are um, very much like a doctor and you're doing a, a diagnosis and then you're prescribing the, <laughs> the, the right medicine yeah. in the end of the day. Exactly. Exactly. Very good. Very good. And, and I'll just throw this out there too, Dave. We haven't talked about this. I, I've just completed um, in the last couple of weeks, I've just completed uh, revising, updating some, some case studies that I've done for clients over the years. And what I did is I picked a client that had six people in a role, a client that has 11, a client that has 29, a client that has 59, and a client that had 147. So if somebody wanted to see, well, what have you done for a group this size? I can show them really quickly. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's fantastic. And thank you very much for sharing that. Another point I'm going to jump into, because this is really important when you're um, looking to bring, uh, attract, hire, and, and retain the right um, employees, the cost of a mishire, Mike. We've talked about this before, but I've, I've dived into this recently. And what I've discovered is that it, it can range anywhere from three times the salary to 15 times the salary, depending on whether somebody's at a lower level or maybe a CEO level. Would you, that's, that's the band, if you like. So if somebody was on a hundred grand, hypothetically, um, and technically by the time all the time spent in onboarding people um, and whatever else goes with it, it could cost the company 300 grand or 15x for a CEO level. It could literally cost millions. Right. Is, that, is that correct? Of, it's, it's because of all of the peripheral peripheral impacts it will have. So let me, let me start at the bottom end. So there, I've, I've just looked at some recent studies that say, you know, the, the cost of, of losing an employee is 30 to 50% of their annual salary to replace somebody, okay? We're not talking about performance. We're just talking about replacing a body, okay? So if they make 100000 it's going to cost you 30000 to go through the process of getting somebody else in their seat. Wow. Okay? Now, now, for entry-level positions, it's obviously not that much, but for entry-level positions, it's a lot more than most companies think it is because, and, and this is true for all levels, but because it's not only the cost to put them in the seat, it's the cost to train them, onboard them, wait till they come up to speed, get them around your clients or your customers, see how that goes, train them some more, taking time away from your top, your current team, your top performers to help them out when they mess things up. Um, whether they might drive away some of your current clients while they're there, if they're not a good fit. And even more importantly, and nobody even thinks about this or tries to calculate what it costs them, but 
what if what if I've got a team of five and and they've all been here long enough to be at, at least satisfactory. I've got a couple that are knocking it out of the park. Everybody else is doing okay. And then I hire two or three people in a row that don't fit, don't work out. And, and everybody on my team is now frustrated. They're overworked. They're fixing other people's mistakes. And now I'm driving away the good people I already have. Yes. So that's where, and so when you start to drive away clients and you start to drive away your current team, that's when it gets explosive in terms of what it's costing you to, to, to take Absolutely. this for granted and just hope it works out. In general, hope's not a good plan. Um, and the more, <laughs> the more you think about it, the more you strategize, the more you create a guide, a guideline, a framework for how you're going to go about doing it and know why you're doing it that way, the better chances that it's going to turn out good. Listen, that's fantastic advice. Now, a friend of mine once said to me um, on, on the back of what you just said there, if you hope you go broke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, so I, my, well I, my, I was just going to kind of summarize the, kind of, a lot of this stuff, Dave, because I, I, I Again, I've been I've been doing some research lately and I've met with some big clients and I've done some training for new managers in one of my clients organizations. So I'm always thinking about, well, how can I how can I simplify all this stuff? You know, kind of put it put it into a a little basket that everybody can can know and see and understand. And um, my my mind, you know, everything kind of fits into four buckets when you're talking about people on your team and, and finding and keeping great employees, great performers kind of falls into four buckets. Number one is how well do they fit the job that you're going to be asking them to do? I think that's first and foremost, because if that one doesn't, if that one doesn't work, the rest of them aren't going to work either. Period. Um, second one is compensation. You know, are they, are they adequately compensated for the performance that they're giving you? Third one is, is in, in today's world, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, what's happening in our world today. The third one is, is there an opportunity for career advancement? Almost everyone is looking for that. And the fourth one is, do you have great coaches within your organization? Okay. Are you helping people develop their careers along the way? Every way, every time, every possibility that you have. Are, are you constantly trying to move your people forward? Mike, the, the, the last two you've put in there, sorry to, sorry to interject here, but that aspect of growth, is there a career path and are there coaches that can help them grow into their potential? I think that's fantastic. And yeah. uh, thank you so much for raising that. Well, and, 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 and the, the interesting thing about those four buckets I just defined is that if you use the right tool sets that measure a lot of different things, it can drastically help you improve in three of those four areas. Now, I can't help you on the compensation side in terms of, you know, you know your industry and your, your location and your jobs a lot better than I ever will. And I don't want to be in that business. But in terms of job fit, we're, we're A+. Plus. In terms of career advancement, not only can we benchmark key roles in, in some of our clients, they've benchmarked every role in their organization. So if they have a person 
that is tired of doing what they're doing and they want to see if they fit somewhere else, we can compare them to all of the other benchmarks in their company and say, hey, you know, if there's an opportunity to move them here, they're likely to be a lot better at this than at that. Okay. So, um, and, and coaching, we, knowing how people are wired, knowing how that's relates to your top performers can give you some very quick and effective insights as to everyone's got limited time and resources for coaching. So where can I spend my time, energy, resources, money, where it can help me the most based on all the data I've collected? Mike, thank you so much. Uh, you have been incredibly generous today. I know you. I know your time starved. You need to get away to this basketball game. But <laughs> you have unpacked so much fabulous information there. Um, I absolutely love the fact that you can, out those four buckets, you can predict three of them. We can improve three of them. We can predict one of them. We can drastically improve two others. Wow. Okay. Thank you very much. That's that's. Thank you for correcting yeah. me on that. Yeah. But overall, for the majority of people who just hope, you know, oh, they're breathing, they can sit in a seat, they can do a job of work. They're available. <laughs> Yeah, they're probably going to be gone in six months or 12 months' time, or yeah. they're going to, uh, I'll use this correctly, potentially infect the the other people around about them if they're the wrong fit. So, yeah, um, the infections can be really expensive for companies. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Mike, I just have thoroughly enjoyed this. You are you know your game. You've been in the game for 20-odd for years. You've got multiple tools and assessments, whether that be C-suite, there's a whole other story uh, about when somebody's in, how you can help them grow to the next level, but we don't have time for that today. But you did tell me a story about, um, and folks, if you're listening to this, it's really important. Mike had a client, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you had a client, Mike, who came to you and said, oh, listen, we've promoted someone up, but it's not working. Oh, yeah. could, you, could you just quickly jump into yeah. that? Yeah, so so one of the tool sets we use has the option to to print, create, generate a leadership report. Now, it, it, it is a little bit subjective, but based on how a person is wired, we can predict how they're likely to be seen as a leader or in a leader role. So this, this very, very senior manager at my largest client calls me one day and says, hey, Mike, I, I promoted this person about you know a few months ago. And my words, not hers, but my words, you know, it, it's been a train wreck. It's not working. And, and I said, okay, so did you run the leadership report before you promoted them to see what it was going to be like or what you may have to deal with? And there was a, you know, pregnant pause. And she said, um, no, and I said, okay, first step. I said, I'm going to run the, re- the leadership report. I'm going to send it to you. I want you to look at it and then call me. So about, I sent it about 30 minutes later. She, she replies to me and basically says, oh, my God, everything I'm dealing with in terms of stuff that's not working is clearly printed and pointed out in this report. Because wow. the report lists strengths and lists challenge areas based on how they're wired and how other people are likely to see that and react to that. Mm. And she says, man, I wish I'd have done this ahead of time. And it, and it doesn't necessarily mean she wouldn't have promoted that person, but she would have had, she could have proactively worked, coached, developed that person 
in those areas so that it wouldn't have turned out so negatively for both of them to just do it blind and hope for the best after she promoted her. So that goes back to your four buckets, step three and four again. It's about that career path, what's right for the individual and right for the business, but also about coaching them to achieve their optimum level. Right, exactly. Amazing, amazing. Mike, how can people get hold of you? Because this has been hugely valuable. And in today's society with, you know, costs going through the roof, fixed costs are, you know, you know, uh, employees are uh, pretty much the, the largest fixed cost in a in a business. So um, <laughs> yeah. how can people get in touch with you so that they can learn more on how to um, create whole person assessments and okay. to hire the right people? Good job, Dave. Uh, so best way is to, to email me. Okay, you can go to my website, but my, my email is Mike at people dash or hyphen, it's not an underscore, it's a dash, right, R-I-G-H-T dot com. So that's Mike at people hyphen right. That's so people right with a hyphen in the middle dot com. Mike at people hyphen right dot com. Yeah, and if, and if you're coming to me from this podcast, say, hey, I heard you on Dave's podcast. And, and like I said, I've got multiple case studies um, you can say, I'd like to talk and I'll send you a link to get on my calendar. Or if you if you have a specific question you want to ask, you know, I've got a team of 10 or I've got a team of 50 or whatever. Can you send me something? Tell me what size your team is and what kind of you know industry or role that you're looking that you're most concerned about or focused on right now. So that when I get back to you, uh, I can. I can be prepared and, and ready to, to talk. Mike, thank you so much. That's incredibly generous of you. And um, folks, if you're listening to this, please listen again. There's so many gems in here. But in addition, reach out to Mike. Um, Mike's, a, Mike's a great friend of mine, and he's just so, so good at what he does um, that he can really, really help you, I'm absolutely sure. In addition, please share this podcast widely. Share the links with somebody you think might be interested. Share it on your social media, whatever it is. Help people like you out there to find out about Mike because he's a wonderful, wonderful gentleman and his skill set's amazing. So, Mike, thank you so much again for for joining us. Is there anything, is there one last gem that you feel you could share or have you just unpacked everything today? (laughs) You know, Dave, everybody's coming at this from a different point or different spot. So so I don't know what the, the takeaway is other than, you know, you, you can rest assured that if you put people into roles where they're using their natural talents and abilities, where they're doing what they do naturally and that makes them successful, they're going to they're going to succeed and they're going to stay a long time. And the more you don't do that, the less they will succeed and the shorter time they will stay. So the more you know about what their natural talents and abilities are and how that relates to the job you're asking them to do, the better the world gets. Fantastic. That's what a great place to finish, Mike. Thank you so much. And um, folks, that's just amazing. Thank you for joining us today on the show. It's uh, Dave Drimmy signing off from the Wealthy Wednesday podcast. Please listen to this again. Mike, you're amazing. And um, look forward to catching up with you again soon, sir. Hope the, uh, hope the basketball team win. Your <laughs> basketball team wins today. 
Thanks, Dave. Always, always enjoy talking to you. You're welcome, sir. Take care, my friend. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Wednesday podcast with me, Dave Drimmy. Check the show notes below for further details on this week's episode, including links to resources mentioned in the show. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you'll find us on Apple, Spotify, and all good podcast apps. See you next week.